Hey, this is Jim, pastor of Decided Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope the sermon you're about to hear just blesses your heart and really encourages you. If you don't mind, subscribe. That way you'll get instant notifications every time a sermon is uploaded. And by all means, if you're feeling led to give, click on the giving link and there'll be more directions to follow. God bless. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Jeremy. Good morning. 1130. So good to see you. Make sure that if it's your first time or maybe your first time in a while, we would love to meet you. So stop by at the tent outside. Say hello to us and um, just make sure we see you and we get to shake hands with you before you head out. Well, we're going to start by reciting Psalm 23 again because uh, I've given you guys a nice warm up, a nice long uh, takeoff of two weeks. And now today what I know is going to happen is y'all are about to stand up and really send it to the devil. That's how I want to hear it this morning. Psalm 23, everybody up on your feet. Here we go. Starting in verse one, I want to, I want to hear you say it like you mean it. Say it with confidence. Let's say it with boldness this morning. And uh, here we go. I'll lead you. Psalm 23, verse 1. Everybody out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good job. We're, we're boosting our confidence in here. That's good, um, good uh, whatever you call it. Good hit of dopamine, I think. That's the one. Or serotonin, one of the two. It's good for you, whatever it is. How was David able to make such a bold statement? Even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, David just calmly, confidently says, I will fear no evil. No big deal. I'm, I'm relaxed. I kind of find that offensive because I'm not able to do that yet. Anybody been in a valley? You know what I'm talking about? And I'm not just talking about a bad hair day. I'm not talking about bad traffic. I'm talking about a valley. I'm talking about a season of prolonged loss. I'm talking about pain that's almost tangible. I'm talking about brokenness, cycles of brokenness and depression that seemingly have no end. Anybody been in valleys like that? Yeah. Not just a day goes by. This is not, we're not talking about just a week or a bad month. We're talking about months stacked on months. We're talking about years stacked on years where you just feel like you're in a hole. That there's no end in sight. That where are you, God? I'm talking about shame that is numbing and paralyzing. I'm talking about loneliness In the middle of community, that's the thing about loneliness, is you can be surrounded by friends and family, people that genuinely care about you, yet in the moment still feel so alone and isolated. I know I've been there. 
I'm talking about worry, anxiousness, the mental stress of life has got you down. The valley of the shadow of death. My migraine on Friday was as close as I can relate to that. I was ready to go. I'm joking, but in all seriousness, I said, as I'm like crippled up in the bed, can't move, lights off, every, every amount of sun just blackened out. I'm just laying there like, Lord, take me. I know this is really bad timing, but I promise I'm going to love my family from up there even better. Just take me, Jesus. That's not the kind of valley we're talking about, is it? We're talking about a real valley of prolonged brokenness, depression, and loss. I've had some valleys like that in my life. And the thing about it is, I know enough to expect valleys that lie ahead. Valleys in my future. But the question for today today is, how can I learn to handle them better? How do I have hope in the valley? And the thing about it for me is, I don't know if you get frustrated at yourself like I do, But I am tired of hitting rock bottom of my valley and feeling like I've got to restart my faith all over again. At what point in the next valley of my life am I going to start building upon what I've learned in the previous valley? Anybody at all relate with me on that? It's like, man, God, I should be farther along than this. How come I'm right here in the valley questioning all the things that I questioned in the last valley When you prove to be faithful to me, and yet here I am again. Hope in the valley. Hope in the valley. There is a way to have hope in the valley. I find three words in this verse that give me hope. Psalm 23, 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Three words that give me hope in the valley. These are three words that I want to carry with me. The next time I'm in a low spot, they are through shadow and you. Through shadow and you. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of the message is Hope in the Valley. I believe it. I believe we can build upon our faith instead of restarting our faith at every valley. And it comes through unpacking these three words through shadow and you. Let's pray and then we'll dive in. God, would you have your way and your will in this service? Be the wind in my sails. Take me off script. God, do your work. This is your message and your words. I pray that you would find tender soil. I pray that you would plow up the ground of our hearts and make us fertile to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first word that gives me hope for the valley is the word through, even though I walk through the valley. You know, valleys are real and seasons take time to process through, but you know, they're never meant for you to take up permanent residence. The shepherd could have taken us any route he pleased up on on the high ridge around the valley, But the Bible says that his paths of righteousness take us right through the valley of the shadow of death. But thank God it's through. We're not meant to stay. I was 
heard it put this way. If you've, if you've ever had like a deep incision wound, a penetrating wound, the wound may have happened in a moment, but the healing process doesn't happen in a moment. It's a, it's a process. It takes time. Paramedics will tell you that. We have a lot of those in our church that would say, man, when somebody gets impaled with something, it happens in a second, but the healing time for all the white blood cells to rally around and do their thing for the blood to coagulate and for everything to happen, it takes time to heal from an incision wound. So I know this morning that valleys are real. I know that cycles and seasons of real loss, real pain, real brokenness, they exist and it takes time. But we have to be careful of spending so long in our valleys that we don't even realize they're valleys. We set up camp. We take up permanent residence in our valley, in our loss, in our brokenness, in our isolation, in our anxiety. And we begin to forget that we're even in a valley, that this is not normal. It's okay to not be okay, but what's the saying go on to say? It's not okay to stay that way. Seasons take time. Brokenness takes time to heal from. Pain, isolation, it's not fixed in an instant. And anybody who tells you, hey man, you should be over that by now, come on. Probably is about to face a valley of their own, right? (laughs) When you get done with them. But be careful of taking up permanent residence in your valley. The Bible says, the way, the way David puts it, is even though I walk through. It's painful, but it's not permanent. It may be a season of loss right now, but it's not going to loom over me forever. I, I'm in a spot of brokenness, but it's not going to become who I am. You're meant to travel through. And David would have known this. He, he most likely scripted this psalm during his 40-year reign. But I'll tell you something. He had real valleys. His life was hunted for by King Saul, trying to keep him from his destiny. And then when he became king, his own son ousted him from the throne, and he had to run for his life. But David is talking about a very real geographical place. There's a real place called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Anybody here been to Jerusalem? I have not, but I know we have some who are going. There's a real place called the Wadi Kelt outside of Jerusalem. It's a valley that goes all the way from the Mount of Olives, and it drains into the Dead Sea. It's about a half mile long. It starts 2,700 feet above sea level and ends 1,300 feet below sea level. And it's a valley. It's, it's really a long, narrow gorge, some 1,500 feet deep, full of caves, full of shadows, easy to get lost. And it goes all the way to the Dead Sea. Tourists can still, you can still walk this road. You can still travel here, but you got to have a guide. They won't let you do it alone. In Bible times, the bear, the lion, the lepers, the hyena, the robbers, they would all wait in the shadows and the caves and they would spring upon flocks and shepherds as they went by. So it was a treacherous valley. It was known to be the valley of the shadow of death because of the imminent danger that, could, that you could face. Not only from nature and, and packs of hyenas or whatever it may be, but also the rain. I mean, if it rained in Jerusalem just a little bit, 
all of that rain collects and cascades into this gorge. And you could be having a nice time one moment and be flooded out with a torrential gush of water in the next. It's just a dangerous place to be. The Wadi Kelt, it's, it's well known in Bible times. Several figures that you're familiar with walk this path. David, we talked about. King Zedekiah fleeing, fleeing from Nebuchadnezzar's troops in the middle of the dark. Jesus walked across this path. When he shares the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, the guy got robbed, left for dead, and the Samaritan comes along, one that would have been his enemy, and gives him the donkey to ride and, and provides for his needs and gives him shelter in the closest city. That, was, that story was positioned in this gorge. Elijah, you know, when he ran from Jezebel and the Lord fed him at the brook Cherith by the ravens, that's this. When he hides in the cave, that's the Wadi Kelt he's hiding in when, when the Lord speaks to him at the mouth of the cave and whispers his name. That's this valley of the shadow of death. And now today it's home to the monastery of St. George built over the entrance to a cave. And all these Bible characters would tell you, hey, that might be a good route to take from the green pastures of Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea where the sheep can get water, but it's not somewhere we're staying. It's not somewhere where we're setting up camp and putting it in park. No, we're passing through this thing. This is a dangerous route to take. The geography of the valley tells you this is not somewhere to stay. You're supposed to go through it. You're supposed to go through it. I've learned a couple of things about the valleys in my life, and that is they're for a purpose. I've tried to learn not to waste my valleys, that there's always a reason why God has me there. There's a purpose for the pain. There's a blessing in the brokenness. Just like Elijah, there's, there's something to be nourished by there. And so I've learned to ask these two questions when I find myself in a season or a valley of discouragement. Number one, God, what are you trying to teach me about me? What do I need to know about my character, my weaknesses, my shortcomings, my flaws, a blind spot? What are you trying to teach me about me? And secondly, God, what are you trying to teach me about you? God always has a lesson in the valley. He feeds you in the valley. There is nourishment in the valley. So I want to encourage you, if you find yourself in a season like that this morning, don't waste it. Don't waste your valley. There's a lesson there that he's preparing you for the next mountaintop. There could be a purpose. There could be a calling on the other side of that valley that if you don't learn the lesson, it's only going to prolong the valley. And you can shorten your time in the valley when you learn to ask God the hard questions. What is it about me that I need to know? What is it about you that I need to know? The valley of the shadow of death we're meant to walk through. Number two, the second word that gives me hope in the valley. Man, I'm going to carry this word down in the valley with me next time, Isha. I find myself there, and it's the word shadow. 
shadow, did you know shadows are powerless? Shadows hold no threat. It's what they're attached to based upon where the sun is shining. That Now that could be a threat. That's the enemy. But the Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, meaning that this valley is, although it's scary, although it may seem dangerous, that God has protected me from the threat. It's just the shadow of it. It's powerless. This morning, if you find yourself in a valley, you need to know that the enemy is powerless to affect you. It's only a shadow. It's the shadow of death. One theologian put it this way. I love this quote. He says, you will never walk through the valley of death. Jesus did that for you. Amen. You will only walk through the valley of the shadow of death. A shadow might frighten, but it can never hurt us. A shadow might frighten. The Bible puts it this way. The end, the weapon will be formed, but it will not prosper. The weapon will be formed, but it won't prosper. When you're in the valley, I want you to picture your enemies on a leash. They may be lunging for you. They may be coming for your jugular. But your king says, the shepherd beside you says, they're on a leash. They're bound. They cannot reach you. They cannot touch you. It's only their shadow that's crossing over in front of you. And by the way, that's based upon the sun and where I'm standing. The shadows only reflect where the sunlight is. So I need you to know if you're in a valley this morning, it's only a shadow. It's only a shadow. Shadows can't hurt you. The threat is powerless. They hold no power. In the shadow of death, another thing about it is that this doesn't mean biblical death, which is separation from God forever. This is just a powerless attempt to harm us. So if you're found in Christ this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus, or maybe you want to be, the reality is that death is just a shadow. It holds no power over you. 1 Corinthians 15 says this about the valley of death. Oh, death, you're swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It has no threat. Why? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus took your death this morning. He took the real threat, the sting of death, the valley of death. He took that himself, and he died, and he paid for it on the cross. And his blood covers that. His empty tomb proves that. There is no threat against you. The weapon will be formed, the evil may come, but it will not be able to reach you. You need to hang on to that, Christian. Hang on to that. Remember, when you get afraid, press into that. Ask why. Pursue your fears and ask the Lord to teach you something from those fears. It's your spiritual dashboard. Learn to use it. When fear's going off and you're anxious and you're tripping out, Take a minute and pause at that spiritual dashboard and ask God, what are you trying to teach me here? Why am I afraid of that? Why am I afraid of isolation? Why am I afraid of community? Why am I afraid of people knowing the real me? Press into those things because if it's, if it's the shadow of worry or provision that's crippled you, and if you remember, this was the very valley that God fed Elijah through the ravens. 
spoke to him at the mouth of the cave. That tells me something about valleys. He feeds you in the valley. He whispers to you in the valley. Is it the fear of being alone in your pain? Is it the fear, the shadow of feeling left behind that has you afraid? Remember, it was in this very valley where Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan to bind up the wounds of his enemy and bring him to safe shelter. So you know what that teaches me about the valley? It's in the valley that he carries you. He carries you. It's a shadow. The threat of the enemy is powerless against you. No wonder the shepherd makes us rest in the green pastures. This is a cohesive psalm. Those thoughts are not just jointed. So when I go back and I read, hey, sometimes he's got to break us to make us rest beside the green pastures and the still waters. Now I understand he's given me the strength because he knows that I'm going to face some shadows of danger, some shadows of the unknown. And so there's a reason why if you're in a season of rest this morning, get ready. Don't waste your rest. Don't, don't waste your valley, but don't waste your rest either because he's trying to equip you with the strength that is needed because he's going to lead you right through a valley where he has a lesson to teach you so that when you're on the mountaintop, you're prepared to handle it. Number three, the third word that brings me hope in the valley is the word you. Through shadow and you. The Bible says, the psalmist says, I will fear no evil for... You are with me. Do you know you're not in the valley alone this morning? You are not in that season alone. And if you're facing isolation, if you're facing loneliness, if the shadows have crowded your mind and you don't know where to turn and you're anxious and you're depressed and you feel guilty, you feel shameful, your shepherd, Jesus Christ, is right in that season with you. In the highs, in, in every high, and in every low. There's nowhere where you can run or hide to escape the presence of God. The same psalmist David says, If I made my bed in hell, you'd be there. There is nowhere you can outrun or hide from the presence of God. The valley. The valley. It's at this point most people would leave and walk out on you. Your situation's too messy. Man, I've, I've helped you several times before. At this point, I might have to cut you off. You know, I have a family at home. I just can't, I can't, it's just becoming too awkward. I can't help you anymore. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Am I telling the truth? I don't want to be associated with you anymore. Maybe you've hurt somebody so badly that there's unforgiveness there. Even in the name of Jesus, in the name of the church, some turn away in your valley in condemnation and judgment. I know I've lived there. I've walked that. And let's be honest, more times than not, when we're in the valley, it doesn't seem like God is there. Somehow, it seems like he's caused the terrible things to happen. We get mad at him. It's in the valley. We shake our fist at God and say, where are you? That's a good sermon, preacher, but where was God? And the last time I was in the valley, I sure didn't feel him. Where was he? 
As believers, we know that he's promised he's there. But what if it doesn't feel like it? How do we find him? And here's what I want you to know about the last phrase, for I am with you, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When you're in the next valley of your life, because it's coming, and you are tempted to blame God, and you are tempted to lash out in anger. By the way, he can handle it. That's fine. But when you question, God, where are you? How come I cannot find you here? I want you to remember this. He finds you. The rest of the passage says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These represent the promises of God and your life. And let me tell you something about God's promises. They are not dependent upon you. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter whether you remember them or not. They're coming for you. God's promises are God's promises. So when you're in the valley, I want you to remember his rod and his staff. One was offensive, one was defensive. The rod was kind of like a billy club. It had a hard knob at one end. And he would beat off the intruders, whether they were lepers or bandits or robbers or a lion, a bear, a hyena, whatever it may be. That rod was a defensive tool to keep the enemy where he belonged. And there's promises in the Word of God for you that are defensive. I put a list of them up on here so you could take a picture, but there are defensive promises in the Word. When your enemy feels like you're being surrounded, you write down these verses, go back to them later, and remind the devil of exactly where he's going. He tries to remind you of your past. Just tell him about his future. Remind him about his future. He holds no claim on you. It's an empty threat. It's just a shadow. And then there are offensive promises in the word of God. These are things that keep your heart in line. These are things that keep you in check. And the staff, that was the staff. It was a long crook and it had the bend on the, it's the kind of the normal thing that you picture with a shepherd. It has the curve of the hook on the end. And guess what he did with that thing, Chris? He would put it right around your neck and rope you back in the line. This staff was offensive so that he could reach out and grab that sheep by the midsection and pull them right back in line. If they were stubborn or obstinate, probably the ones that had a couple of broken legs along the way. And he would hook them around the neck and bring them back in line. And there are offensive promises in the word of God that you need to hang on to and hold tight the next time in the valley. We are really good at taking our baggage down in the valley with us. Whether it's a relationship where somebody did something and we're holding a grudge. Maybe it's church hurt because those people of God did you wrong. And to be honest, it took you a lot to even make it through the doors this morning and sit in a church. But we're good at taking baggage down in the valley with us. But how come it is that the, the very baggage that we need to take, the promises of God, those are the things we so often and so quickly leave behind? God, where are you? Well, I, hello? I've given you my promises. I've given you my rod and my staff. They're going to come for you. They're meant to come alongside you and bind you up and carry you and provide for you and minister to you and nourish you. These offensive and defensive promises of God, that's the baggage you need to pack when you're going down into your next valley. 
But if you forget them, it's okay. They're God's promises, and they will find you. Because God's promises are not dependent on you. The valley. Three words to have hope in the valley. Through. I'm not meant to stay. I'm just going. I'm going through this thing. Number two, it is a shadow, and shadows are powerless this morning. The enemy has no threat on you. And number three, you. It means I'm not alone. I want you to remember the next time in your valley and people are walking out of your life, remember the shepherd is not scared. Your situation is not too risky for him to get involved. Your mess is not too messy for him to get down in it. When other people who say they love you are walking away, I want you to remember the shepherd as being the one who's running in. He's running in. He's running to you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. I mentioned that I had a valley in my life. It was about two years. It was 2008 and 2009. And I had lost my way. I thought I had messed up too badly for God to be able to use. My church rejected me. The pastor shut the church doors on me. I was not welcome there. Can you imagine being unwelcome at the church you grew up in? Some of you, that's your story, and so I feel your pain. But the church rejected me. My father rejected me. He walked out of the family for three years. He said, oh, man, if you're gay, I don't want nothing to do with you. So I know valleys. I know places that are deep, dark valleys. I felt like I was disqualified, that, that God would never be able to use me again based upon what I did. But now on the other side of that valley, by the way, I am on the other side of that valley. Amen. I didn't stay there. I, it was a season. It was a process, but I didn't live there forever. I'm on the other side of that now. But what I know is if I had not gone through that valley of church rejection, rejection from my father, there is no way I would be doing what I'm doing right now. It would not have happened. Decided church would not exist, well, through me anyway, if the Lord had not taught me a lesson in the valley. The valley of being rejected, the valley of pain, the valley of brokenness equipped me for the calling that he had on the next mountaintop. So what I'm trying to tell you this morning is don't waste your valley. Learn the lesson that you're meant to learn in the valley. It's painful. Yes. It's dark. Yes. There's shadows all around. Yes. It feels threatening. Yes. It feels vulnerable. But there's something so beautiful in that valley for you to grab a hold of, something for you to learn about you, and something for you to learn about God. And when you get through it, because you will, because it's just a season, when you stand on that next mountaintop of your faith and you plant your flag and you're rejoicing in the goodness of God, I want you to remember it's because you learned the lesson in the valley you were meant to learn. Three words that can give you hope next time you're there. Through. Shadow. And you, you are with me. And then, maybe you'll be able to stand up here and confidently and boldly say like King David, 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's pray. Jesus, give us the boldness to see what you're doing. Give us the faith to see that there's a lesson in my valley. I cannot waste my valley because what you have for me on the next mountaintop, you're preparing me for now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I wonder who'd be willing and vulnerable enough to admit, I'm in a valley now. What you're describing, what you're talking about, Pastor, that's just not something that happened in the past for me. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. It's been a hard season. I feel outnumbered. I feel like I can't catch up, catch up, catch my breath. I feel lonely in the middle of community. I've got, look at me, I'm sitting right here in the greatest church in Irmo, yet I feel so isolated and alone. Pastor, I'm just struggling with cycles of depression and anxiety that I cannot seem to break. Anybody in the valley now and you'd be willing to raise your hand and ask for prayer? God, that's me. Pray for me. I see you, I see you. Anybody else in the valley this morning? Amen, I see your hand. I see your hand over there. I want to encourage you to get prayer this morning. There's folks that have a yellow lanyard on. They would love to put an arm around you and pray with you. They're at the back. They're at the front. But here's the thing. Have you asked God what it is that he's trying to say? Have you asked him, God, what are you trying to teach me about me? God, what are you trying to teach me about you? The faster the lesson is learned, the faster you're out of the valley and onto the mountaintop. Maybe you're here today and you've taken up residence in the valley to the point where you didn't even know it was a valley. You thought this was the norm. And God is awakening your heart. He's shaking you and saying, this is not normal. I never meant for you to be here and stay here and, and form this as part of your identity. This is meant to break off of you and fall off. This is not who you are. I've called you to something greater and higher and beyond this valley. I don't need you planting roots here. You are meant to pass through. Today, you're taking a stand and saying, you know what? I'm not living here. This is not going to be my identity. I'm, I'm uprooting this painful season, and I'm moving on today. I'm moving on. Anybody would, willing to admit, today I'm moving on. I'm going through this. Amen. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand back there. It's time. It's time. You're not meant to stay here forever. This is not a permanent residence. I see your hand back there. We're passing through. Our good shepherd is too kind and too good to leave us where he found us. We are passing through the valley. Amen. And one more question. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I wonder for those here today who thought you had to face the valley of death on your own. You had to do enough good stuff. You had to amount enough good works to somehow please God so that he could look down and say, man, that's a really good sheep. I think I'm going to put him in heaven with me. 
and you're realizing for the first time today that Jesus walked the valley of death so that you didn't have to. He took your sin. He took all your shame and your guilt. He put it on his own body. He was the spotless lamb that took your place. His body was broken. His blood was shed. And he rose in triumphant victory over death. He overtook it and overcame it so that you would only have to face the shadow, which means the powerless attempt of the enemy to threaten you. And so for some here today, now's the time to trust Jesus with your life. Now's the time to say, Jesus, come into my life. Be the shepherd of my soul. Come inside of me and change me and make me one of your sons and your daughters. Anybody like that this morning who would raise their hand and say, yes, today I'm trusting in Christ to save me. Anybody at all? Amen. I see your hand right here. Right over here. Thank you so much. God bless you. If you raised your hand at all in any of those three times, I want you to get up and move to somebody in a yellow lanyard. They'd love to pray with you. Solidify your decision. Rejoice with you. Just put arms around you and walk this thing out with you. We are not alone. We're not alone. Jesus, teach us what we have to learn in the valley so that we would be prepared for the next mountaintop. Give us hope in the valley, whether we're in it now or whether there's a season in our future. Help us to know through shadow and you. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.